Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Last week, we kicked off our our new series, Redeeming Restfulness. And uh, I just want to say that if you haven't had a chance to uh, listen to that uh, on our podcast or watch it uh, on our RBC Online YouTube channel, I encourage you to do so. Uh, because it actually just sets us up kind of for this week and for the weeks uh, to come. So it's kind of like just a big picture set up. And so I want to encourage, if you haven't done it, to do it. Uh, and uh, it'll, it'll help us, I think. And for those who are just tracking through in connect groups as well, uh, it'll just be a good one to uh, just to kind of set the scene for where we are going. But just a little bit of a recap over for last week. So last week I shared uh, this idea that we find ourselves in a cultural moment right now that is literally facilitating to us restlessness and exhaustion. It's like it's just being pumped into our lives and into our cultures and none of us are exempt uh, from it. It is spiritually forming our souls. You see, spiritual formation isn't something that just happens uh, in faith. We are spiritually formed in other ways and we are spiritually formed uh, in, in, from our culture towards restlessness and towards uh, exhaustion. This results in all sorts of things, anxiety, angst, worry, and uh, all sorts of uh, negative things that impact our lives. Uh, I spoke about this idea that many of us suffer from hurry sickness, which was something that uh, a phrase that uh, Mia, Maya Friedman uh, coined. It's this relentless des- desire for continuous movement and motion uh, where we look to do more and more things in less and less time. And I think uh, all of us would find this is a challenge uh, for us uh, today. And so this culture that is like drip-feeding exhaustion and restlessness is one uh, that leaves us actually longing for restfulness. And then I shared about the good news of the gospel, that into that world and into that age and culture, Jesus comes and he offers us rest for our souls, not just for our body, not just for our mind, but rest at a soul level where we deeply need it. And uh, he, says, uh, he says this in, uh, in Matthew, he says, Come to me, all who are, with the old language is all who are weary and all who are burdened in the NIV, but he says, Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then we saw that one of the ways that, so how is it that we tap into the restfulness of Jesus? And I looked at this idea and introduced us to this idea of Sabbath. That Sabbath is a principle and a practice that helps us tap into the restfulness of Jesus and experience rest in a culture of uh, exhaustion and restlessness. Sabbath is a day to simply stop. 
It's a day to stop working, a day to stop wanting. And it was a gift that was given by God for the flourishing of humanity. And we looked at this in Mark chapter 2, where, uh, where Jesus says he's challenging uh, the religious leaders and uh, he's reminding them of this truth, that Sabbath was actually made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. And I spoke about the idea that Jesus is not anti-Sabbath, but he was anti the Mishnah. He was anti uh, anything else that was added around uh, Sabbath. But Sabbath was something that was made to serve us. And as Marva Dawn said, she said, the Sabbath was given not because God wanted to spoil our fun, but because he wanted to deepen our joy. How beautiful. But then for many of us, Here's the challenge for us is that Sabbath, if you've grown up in church for a, a while, and this was certainly my story, I grew up in church, I was a pastor's kid, and to be honest, I didn't hear about Sabbath for a very, very long time. It wasn't something that was on my radar. Maybe that is true for you. Maybe it's something that hasn't been true uh, for you. Sabbath is something in our culture and in a Christian discipleship that we've actually forgotten. Uh, and uh, we looked at a whole uh, range of little quotes that some other people have said around the damage of forgetting Sabbath. And so I want to encourage us of this, that I believe that Sabbath could well just be one of the most important disciplines that we need to reawaken to today for our own emotional health and for our spiritual vitality. Given the cultural moment we find ourselves in, I believe that this is really, really important. And we ended last week being reminded from A.J. Swoboda this, that Sabbath is a scheduled weekly reminder that we are not what we do, but we are who we are loved by, that we are children of God. Sabbath reminds us of that truth in a world that we think that in order to be loved and valued, that we need to produce more, work more, achieve more, accomplish more. The fact that we are just children of God, Sabbath helps us remember that. And so uh, it's rather who we are loved by, not what we do. And uh, John Mark Comer, he, uh, he said this, he said, Sabbath is more than just a day. It's a way of being in the world, a spirit of restfulness that comes as a result of living in our Father's loving presence all week long. Um, and then uh, we looked at last week, a digital detox was the habit. I'm not going to you know, shame people, ask people to put up your hands uh, if you've done it or not, but I do want this to be just a little gentle nudge uh, uh, around doing the digital, uh, digital detox. Again, it's just a way, it's a habit, it's an invitation for us at this point in time just to, just to push against some of the cultural push that has it coming against us for restlessness. And so hopefully that was a, a good experience for you as you took some time away from your digital devices. And I know a lot of you had because I've heard a number of stories. So what we've, um, what we've done too is we've added onto the hub. So if you go to the hub.rbc.org.au, uh, you can put in there your story, okay? It's just a space and a place to submit a story of what God is doing in you throughout this series and, and uh, maybe as we've... In, Engage and embrace these habits. So you can head there or you can just write something out and hand it into the hub as well, all right? And then we want to be able to share and encourage those, uh, those stories uh, you know, into the community. So the hub is the place to, uh, to do that. Well, today, what I want to do today is lay out for us a biblical theology of Sabbath. 
uh, that will give us a framework for shaping our own Sabbath, okay? And that's where we're going to kind of land today, but I want to spend some time uh, looking at uh, uh, what the Bible actually says about Sabbath. So let's dive in. Sabbath goes uh, back further than Jesus. It goes back further than the fourth commandment. It goes right back to the seventh day of creation. The Bible opens with God working. Uh, Some people need to hear that, that it's actually good to work. Uh, that God opens the, and he creates the universe. For six days he works and he works hard to put everything into creation. But then on the seventh day we read in Genesis chapter 2, we read these words, Heaven and earth were finished down to the last detail. By the seventh day God had finished his work. On the seventh day he rested from all his work. And so God works for six days And on the seventh day, God stopped and he rested. God rested. The creator of the universe stopped and he rested. And in doing so, he built into the very fabric of creation a regular rhythm, a six and one rhythm of work and rest. We work for six days, we rest for one God also built into you and I that very same rhythm. We were designed, our souls were created, our whole being is designed to live in a six and one rhythm of work and six days of work and one of rest. This rhythm is vital to us. Why? Because we are human beings, not human doings. We are not machines. We run on rest. We don't run on oil. Okay, So it's important that we know and learn this rhythm. Now, God did two very important things to the Sabbath day, which we read in verse 3. Let's have a look at verse 3. He says, God blessed the seventh day and he made it a holy day because on that day he rested from his work all the creating that God had done. The first thing God did to the Sabbath was he blessed it. Now, In the creation story or the creation narrative, God blesses two other things. He blesses three things all up. He blesses the first blessing he gives is to the living creatures. He says, uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The second uh, blessing is for humanity, for you and I. He says for us to be fruitful and increase in number and to fill the earth. And then the third thing that he blesses is he blesses a day. He blesses the seventh day. What is this telling us about the significance of Sabbath? Well, I think it's telling us this. It's telling us that by blessing the Sabbath, God has built into it, into this day, the seventh day, a life-giving ability to procreate, a life-giving ability to reproduce, to multiply life, to fill up this world and this life with more life. In other words... Sabbath has a way of restoring your soul and giving you life because God blessed it. How good is that? We then see that God made the Sabbath holy. Now, holy simply means sanctified or set apart. And what does God make holy here? Well, he makes and sanctifies and makes holy time. 
Now, in ancient Near Eastern religions, gods and goddesses were more often found in the world of space and matter, not in time. That is, that you could find and experience them in a physical temple or in a special location or place. And so you might think that after God has created this universe, that he might make a special shrine or a special statue or sanctuary, or that he might set up his own monument or mountain where you could meet with this God, experience him, and experience all of his glory. But no, God, this God, the creator of the universe, God doesn't do that. What does he do? He makes time holy. Why? Because this whole universe is his temple. This whole universe is his temple. Isaiah 6.3 says it this way. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The what? The whole earth is full of his glory. This is temple language. For the gods and goddesses of the day, you would go and you would experience the glory of God on a mountain or a, or a statue. Not with this God. This God, the whole earth, is full of his glory. And this is important because Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, he says this, he says, God is not in uh, things of space, I think we've got a graphic here, he's not in things of space or in moments of time. Rather this, and I love this, have a listen to this, the Sabbaths are our great cathedrals. The Sabbaths are our great cathedrals. What is he saying? Well, he's saying that we don't need to travel to a holy site to experience him. We don't need to go on a religious pilgrimage to encounter his glory. We don't find him in a man-made cathedral or on top of a mountain because the whole earth is his temple. And so rather, we meet him and we experience him in moments of time. When we stop, when we slow down long enough to become aware of his presence with us every day, everywhere. That means that you and I, we can experience him here, now, today. You can experience him when you leave today and wherever it is that you find yourself this afternoon. So God makes the Sabbath holy and he blesses it. So how do we learn to experience the life-giving nature of Sabbath for ourselves? Well, that's what I want to look at in the time that we have remaining. Now, most writers on, on Sabbath and theologians will say that there are four key ideas or four key moves to the idea of, of Sabbath. And these come from the English translation of the Hebrew word Shabbat. And so that's what we're going to uh, look at today. And the first one is this. The first one is, Sabbath is a day to stop. This is the most literal translation of the word Sabbath. It means to stop or to cease. And in Exodus 20, verse 9 to 10, we read these. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And so Sabbath is a day to literally cease from all working. That is, whether it be paid or whether it is unpaid. It's a day to stop. But not only from work itself, but from also the need to accomplish and to be productive. It's where we stop getting our sense of work, worth 
from our work and what we do. It's where we stop getting our sense of value from our valuables or the things that we own or the things that we've accomplished. Sabbath is also a day where we cease from all thinking about work. This is a challenging one, right? There's a large body of scientific research now that says even thinking about work releases the same chemicals that produce stress as when we actually work. So even when we're not working, if it's going around in our minds, we are still working. Sabbath is also a day to cease from worry and from our efforts to be in control of our lives as if we were God. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton writes this. She says, There are limits to my capacities relationally, emotionally, mentally and spiritually. I am not God. God is the one who can be all things to all people. I can't. I think this is a lesson uh, for us all to learn. So Sabbath is a day where we embrace our limits and we remind ourselves that we are not God, but God is God. Marva Dawn writes, On the Sabbath, we deliberately remember that we have ceased trying to be God and instead have put our lives back into his control. Concentration on God's lordship in our lives enables us to return to his sovereign hands all the things that are beyond our control and worrying us. Once those things are safely there, as long as we don't stupidly take them back again, our emotions can find truly comforting and healing rest. Church, God has built into the very fabric of creation a six and one rhythm of work and rest. We can ignore it, we can suppress it, we can make excuses for it, we can look for a way to get out of it, but going against that rhythm will have consequences. Yeah, but Dan, you don't, you don't get it. I'm, I'm an Enneagram 7. I've just got to chase after the next big thing and I've just got to go after the next adventure and so I'm just, uh, I just like to stay busy. Yeah, well, Dan, I resonate with Sabbath. It sounds good, but my work is just so demanding and, look, I just love what I do. I love it and so, look, I can't see myself making space for, for this in my schedule. Yeah, I'm with you, Dan, but with two little tackers, it's, it's not really doable at the moment. And uh, with all the sporting commitments that my older kids are, are actually doing at the moment, I'll, I might look at it a little bit later on in life. Well, Marva Dawn writes this to challenge us. She says that uh, if we are not able to stop one day a week, we are taking ourselves far too seriously. Do you think that you are more important, or you are too important to stop for one day a week. Shabbat is uh, most often translated as stop, but second most, it's translated as rest. Leviticus 23, 3 says, Work six days. The seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of total and complete rest, a sacred assembly. Don't do any work wherever you live. It's a Sabbath to God. So Sabbath is a day to rest physically, to sleep. And we're going to talk about this in a moment, and that's a good thing. Some people are going to be going, yeah, come on. But it's a day to rest emotionally and intellectually. It's a day to calm down. 
It's a day to renew. It's a day where our soul is reordered and we experience a reawakening at a deeper level of our heart and soul. It's where we rest in God's love for us as we cease our achieving and we start abiding. Uh, Juan Carlos Lerman, who's a researcher um, at the University of Arizona, he has recently done some research and he has shown the biological need for rest every seventh day and the energising value of rest. And according to Lerman's theory, failing to rest after six days of steady work will lead to insomnia or sleepiness, hormonal imbalances, fatigue, irritability, organ stress and other increasingly serious physical and mental symptoms. You see, here's the deal. If we fight God's rhythm of six and one and we don't Sabbath, we will end up sabotaging our own lives. I love how the creation story and uh, the Jewish culture how they think about and speak about the rhythm of rest. I don't know if you've noticed this as you've read through the creation narrative, but we continually see the refrain every day of it was evening and it was morning, day one. It was evening, it was morning, day two. It was evening, it was morning, day three, and so on. The rhythm of rest that God sets up for us and that many of the Hebrew people and Jewish people today still follow is that the new day begins in the evening when the sun goes down, not in the morning when the sun rises. But when we think about a day, we think about it completely backwards to that, don't we? In our culture, we believe and act as if the day starts when we wake up and we enter the morning, that's, and we enter the day, that's when the day starts. Some of us even act as if the day hasn't started until we've had some coffee. And then at the end of the day, what do we do? We throw ourselves onto the couch, thankful to just rest from our work. And what do we do? We just call it all normal. But this evening and morning rhythm teaches us, that we see here in Genesis, teaches us that we were created to start our day with rest, that we were created to work from a place of rest, not merely rest from our work. And I love what Eugene Peterson says about this. Have a look. He says, The Hebrew evening and morning sequence conditions us to the rhythms of grace. We go to sleep and God begins his work. As we sleep, he develops his covenant. We wake and are called out to participate in God's creative action. We respond in faith, in word, but always grace is previous. Grace is primary. And I love this next thing that he says. We wake into a world we didn't make, into a salvation that we didn't earn. As you slept last night, did you do anything to contribute to creation continuing? No. We woke to a world we didn't make and a salvation we didn't earn. Evening, God begins without our help his creative day. In the morning, God calls us to enjoy and to share and develop the work that he initiated. Creation and covenant are sheer grace and are there to greet us every morning. 
I love that. We wake to a world we didn't make, to a salvation we didn't earn. Here's the thing. If this idea, if this truth can get itself into our spirit, if it can take traction in our souls, it can change the way that we live and it can change our discipleship towards Jesus. Uh, Pastor and author John Tyson, he shares this illustration I want to share with us uh, regarding rest in a a sermon that he did on um, that rest must be stronger than exhaustion. And it's super helpful, I think, for us. He said, he said this, that if, if Jesus comes and the gospel message is that we would have life to the full, uh, that we'd have life in, a, in abundance. We read that in, in John 10.10. 10. And so the right side of this screen uh, is life to the full. It's the gospel message as Jesus calls us to. And the left side of the screen is, uh, this is where you know, the, the dial is on empty. You know, we're, 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 we're done. We're kind of spent. Uh, that's if, that's, you know, think about it this way. That's where the enemy is out to steal, kill and destroy. So that's the left side of this dial. Uh, And so he goes on and says that when we rest, we tend to rest too late. We tend to rest when we're kind of right at the end and we're almost out of time, when we're nearly spent. We say things like this, I just need to get through this week and then I'll come up for air. I've I've got exams at SWATVAC at the moment, I've just got to get through the end of the exams and then I'll come up for air. I've got leave planned in about a month's time or two months' time, let me just get through uh, till leave is is finished. Uh, I'll get this assignment done and then I'll get some rest. The trouble is, and you know this to be true as much as I do, a day becomes a week. A week becomes a month, a month becomes a season, a season becomes a year, and all of a sudden, restlessness has become a lifestyle. And here's the problem. When we get that low in the bar, when we get that low, even if we do rest, how much do we really get back to the fullness of life that Jesus offers? Well, we simply, we don't make it all the way we simply just get back to managing our exhaustion. But we rarely get back to life to the full. And then John Tyson asks this question. He says this, What then gets lost when we don't get back to life to the full? And he says this, What gets lost is that what gets lost is joy, is peace, is intimacy, is sustainability, is calling, is kindness and joy. They're the things that are lost. That's the life to the full. If we only ever get back to managing our exhaustion. We don't have enough margin to love God well. We don't have enough margin to manage or deal with the challenges around us. That's what's lost. This is why rest is essential to discipleship. It's not optional. A rested you is a better you. I know that for me. A rested Dan is a much more loving Dan at home, at work, when he's out with friends. But let's get a little practical for a minute. What do we mean by rest? What do we mean by rest? Well, I mean engaging in activities that are life-giving for your soul. Activities that deeply connect you to Jesus and his restfulness. Uh, Because, you see, here's the thing. We tend to be good at relaxing. 
We don't tend to be so good at renewing or recreating or restoring our souls or reawakening to a deeper awareness of God's presence and intimacy with us. And so here's some activities that you might like to think about as you think about uh, rest. Firstly, we're going to love this one, sleep. Sleep. Napping or sleep is literally like the secret weapon of Sabbath. Did you know that before Thomas Edison invented the electric light bulb in 1879, 1879, most people slept 10 hours a night? 10 hours a night! A duration that recent research has just discovered is is ideal for optimal performance. You see, what it shows us is that when activity no longer was limited by the day's natural light, sleep habits changed and not for our good. Do you know with Netflix, do you know who the biggest competitor, I was only reading this this week, do you know who the biggest competitor for Netflix is? It's not like Amazon, it's not a Prime, it's not Bing, it's not Apple TV, it's sleep. Sleep is the biggest uh, enemy of Netflix and people subscribing and watching that over and over again. It is its biggest competition. A recent Aussie study indicated that we now sleep on average seven hours per night. That's three hours less than ideal. And 12% of people sleep less than five and a half hours per night. Other renewing habits include this, going for a walk or a hike, stretching, getting into nature, laughing, enjoying silence and solitude, taking a long shower or bath. It's okay, you can do that. Listen to a great album, daydream, have a slow morning, doodle, draw, whatever it is, paint. These are some of the things that can renew us and can recreate us. So let me ask a question. What could you do for 24 hours that would renew and create your soul? What would that be for you? You know, it's probably going to be different to the person near you, but what would it look like for you for 24 hours to do something that would renew and recreate your soul? Thirdly, the word Shabbat can also be translated to delight. God didn't stop and rest from his work because he was tired The God of the universe doesn't get tired. God stopped and rested from the work of creation. Why? Because he had finished. He had finished all the creating. And then he sits back and he delights in the goodness and beauty of all that he has made and he says it is good. It is very good. And similarly for us, Sabbath is a day for us to enjoy God to enjoy his world and our lives with him and one another in his world. It's a day to delight in all the healthy God-given pleasures of life. Sabbath is like a weekly party and celebration of all the things that are good and true in this life. And if you think Dan is making this up and that Dan is just wanting to have a big party and a big celebration, think again because this is what Isaiah tells us. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy... God's holy day is celebration. If you honour it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. 
Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. How good is that? And next week, just a little teaser. Uh, Next week, Melinda Cousins is going to be coming and she's going to be preaching to us on this whole area. This is an area of Sabbath that she is into. She's an Old Testament uh, theologian and wonderful person and the director of our movement. Uh, But she's going to come and speak to us a whole week, a whole week, a whole day sermon on delight, on delight, and it is going to be wonderful. Dan Alanda, he writes this and he says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, we play, we dance, have sex with our spouse, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in all its fullness. People are now buying in, aren't we? The Sabbath is how we fill our souls back with, and fill them back up with life and enjoyment. As part of preparing to practice the Sabbath, one of the most important questions for us to consider is this. What could I do for 24 hours that would fill my soul with deep delight and bring a deep joy? What would it be for you? What would be something that you could do that would fill your soul with a deep delight and bring you deep joy? Now, the same thing as restfulness. It's going to look different for everybody. Uh, For me, at the moment, one of the things that, uh, the activities that is bringing me delight, and I'm going to get a chance to do it today, uh, is riding a beam scooter into Adelaide Oval and enjoying the beauty of North Adelaide as I scoot through the streets and feel the wind in my face. I love doing that. Now, today might be a little cold and a little rainy, but I'm still going to enjoy doing that. And then I arrive at Adelaide Oval as soon as the gates open. Today they open at 2 p.m. And so I'm going to be there at 2 p.m. and I'm going to have my little ticket and I'm going to scan in and I'm going to walk up to my seat when there's hardly anybody there. Okay, there's hardly anybody there. In Port Games, there might be a few there today. They're, they're... <laughs> They're doing okay, they're doing okay. And when there's hardly anybody there, I find my seat and I just watch as the crowd begins to fill up and the energy begins to come in the stadium and I love it. It's a way that I get two to three hours that brings me just a little sense of contentment, a little wonder, and I use it to thank and to praise God. What is it for you? Is it playing with the kids? Is it listening to music? Is it going for walks in the botanic gardens with your partner? Is it playing games? Is it eating your favourite meal? Maybe it's enjoying a glass of wine by the fire with your favourite book or a latte or a batch brew coffee overlooking the ocean as the waves lap in. What is it for you that brings you deep uh, joy and that you delight in? Here's a good way of thinking about Sabbath. On Sabbath and delight, on Sabbath we treat our soul with activities that bring joy, wonder, gratitude and happiness, that bring joy, wonder, gratitude and happiness. Now, the last move of Sabbath is, uh, is worship. 
worship. Sabbath is not just a day off, okay? It's actually a day up. It's a day up. Sabbath is not just a day to veg out, to sleep, and to binge watch Netflix. So don't go back and hear that that's what Dan's saying Sabbath is. Sabbath is a holy day. It's a day to orientate our whole being back to God. Sabbath is not about trying to get something from God. Production is not the goal of Sabbath. Abiding and worship is the goal of Sabbath. Sabbath is a day where you dwell in and on the love of God and connect with your Creator in worship. Now, when I say worship here, I'm not meaning that you have to listen to uh, Brooke Fraser 24 hours a day uh, or elevation music or spend 10 hours on your knees in prayer or do a theological deep dive through the book of Hebrews. Those activities may be part of a Sabbath day for you. But what I want to look at when we speak at worship is this. And Pete Scazzaro, he puts it this way. On Sabbath, we intentionally look for God's grandeur in everything from people, food and art, to babies, sports, hobbies and music. In this sense, worship is an extension of delight. We are intentional about looking for the evidence of God's love in all of the things that he has given us to enjoy. That's the the art of the worship of Sabbath. And so the invitation of Jesus for us today is to stop. It's to rest. It's to delight. And it's to worship. So this week, our our habit for this week now, if you haven't done the weekly detox, okay, again, this is not, Dan's not going to come around and whack anybody over the knuckles, okay, that's not how this works. As I said, these weekly habits are invitations. They're not rules or anything that you're commanded to do. They are invitations from Jesus to you so that you can experience his restfulness in a far greater way. And so um, I want to strongly urge you to do it if you haven't yet. It will bless and renew and recreate your soul. But if you haven't yet done your digital detox, then you could do it as you think about how it is that you can shape your own Sabbath. And so that is our weekly habit this week, is to shape our own Sabbath around these four ideas or these four moves of stopping, resting, of delighting and of worshipping. Here's the thing. Sabbath will never happen by default. It will only happen by design and by being deliberate about it. Sabbath, I believe, is one of the most urgent and one of the most countercultural practices that we can do. But here's the thing there will be a need for some intentional commitment and reorganization and reprioritization of our lives. It will take courage. It will take changes to your schedule and it will take time, but there will be overwhelming benefits and blessings for you, your family, your marriage, your kids, your witness and our discipleship towards Jesus. You see, we are unlikely to deepen our relationship with God in a casual or a haphazard manner. So this week, you're invited to shape your own Sabbath. Now, how do you find out more about this? Well, 
two ways. One is you can go to the hub after the service and you can get a little handout. We've got some A4 ones, okay, and some A5 handouts and that will help you to craft your Sabbath for this week or you can go to the hub online, okay, thehub.rbc.org.au and you can just download it and you can look at it or you can print it off and do whatever you'd like to as you go on there. Now, just to say... As we're doing this, let me just walk through. It's got a couple of minutes because this is, this, is, this is important. What I'm asking people to do is just to sit down either by yourself or with your family and choose a period of time to Sabbath. Again, hear me, I'm, if you can't do 24 hours, it's okay. There is a particular genius to doing 24 hours that is built into Sabbath, but if you can't and you haven't done this before, going from zero to 24 hours is a big step. I appreciate that. So start where you're at. If it's four hours, build that in on a Friday night. If it's four hours, build it on a Saturday morning or a Sunday afternoon, whatever it may be. Maybe it's eight hours or 12 hours for you. Just start where you're at. Don't feel the pressure to do 24 hours. It might even be that you go, Dan, look, I want to do this, but this week, you know, in order for me to reprioritise and reorder some things, I can't do it this week, I'll do it next week. Great. Or I'll do it two weeks. Great. That is fine. But just find a time, make a time to Sabbath. Let this be a rhythm that builds in your life. Now, traditionally, there are 12 activities that mark Sabbath practice. Uh, We've looked at some of them as we've gone through, but here are the 12. Uh, Lighting the candles, and so you'll see uh, in the little handout, there's a few ways that you might want to choose to begin your Sabbath and to end your Sabbath, and one of them is just to light a little candle. And you might just say a little prayer, Lord, I give you this time now, uh, this four hours, this eight hours, whatever it is that we are going to Sabbath. Blessing the children, eating a meal, singing worshipping with your community, walking, napping, making love if you're married, reading, spending time alone with God, spending time with family and friends, and gratitude. These are 12 of the uh, habits uh, that generally mark out Sabbath. Now again, please hear me, these are not to-do lists, these are not shoulds or oughts, these are invitations for you to deepen your restfulness and your relationship with God. And I think in a world of exhaustion and restlessness, there's nothing more that we could want to do than to experience the restfulness of God for our lives. So do it all slowly, adapt your day to your personality, your preference, your stage of life, and however it is that you connect with God. A young family with three kids in nappies is obviously going to Sabbath differently than a couple of retirees or a single person. And that's okay. Work it for what works with you. Some seasons, I get it, they're harder than others to rest in, and that's okay too. Enter into it all gently. You'll still experience the benefits and the blessings of time with God and of Sabbath. Would you stand with me? And I want to pray for us uh, today. And maybe I'm conscious of this fact that this this can feel uh, this can feel challenging. Like I said, it takes courage. It'll take a reshaping of our schedule or a way of us that we've adapted to doing life it needs to shift. But I do believe that this is a principle and a practice that we need to reawaken. 
And so I'm going to pray for us that, uh, that the Spirit would do His work in our heart and in His life and that He would challenge us. But most importantly, that, he would, that we would capture vision of this invitation uh, that He has for us to experience His restfulness. So let me pray. Jesus, I thank you that in you is full and complete rest. I thank you that we can recover our life, that we can have our soul renewed, recreated, refreshed, reawakened by experiencing gospel, by experiencing the good news of restfulness in Jesus. And so, Spirit of God, I pray right now that you would awaken us to the rest that we can have in Jesus. Lord, I want to pray for courage for each and every person who is here today, each family, each couple, as they have a conversation this week around how they can build in Sabbath into their life. What are the things that are going to need to be left What are the th- in order to bring Sabbath in? Lord, I just pray for those conversations. I pray that there'll be conversations that happen with grace and truth. I pray that it'll be filled with compassion and love that won't be filled with burden or, or obligation, but with an opportunity and an invitation to experience the restfulness of Jesus for themselves, for their families, for their friends, and for our witness in this world. And so, Lord, I thank you for this gift that is Sabbath, that is there to serve us. And Lord, if we are honest, we do chase after the accumulation of stuff, the accomplishment and achievement of things that help us, that give us a sense of um, being accepted by man. But Lord, I pray that we would not fear man, but we would ultimately fear the Lord and that we would only seek to receive our sense of identity and value and belonging in you as your children. And so remind us again of the truth that Sabbath does, that we are not, our worth is not attached to our work but it is who we are loved by. And so, Lord, right now I pray for each and every person here and for us as a church that we would just be filled with the love of God afresh. Remind us of your love that is amazing, that we cannot outrun it. And so just, Spirit of God, we soak in your presence. We thank you that you are holy and that we don't need to seek you and run after a special place in order to experience you. But we can experience you in the moments of time where we stop long enough to experience your glory and taste and see that you are good. And so, Heavenly Father, help us this week as we set apart to shape our Sabbath. May it be something that blesses us and is beneficial to us all, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.